the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Can we have the very first person? Um, Eunice. And please, my question is concerning the last point that you spoke about. I'm not slandering someone. In a work, um, I'm using a work situation. Like you are working with someone and your higher boss asks about um, something. He wants to use that person for something else. And you know that person cannot deliver. Like that person is not, is not not. How do you communicate to the boss and not sound like you are trying to um, um, I, slander. <laughs> slander that person, yes. Okay. Thank you. I think we should, we should take multiples of them, then we can address them to save time. Newness. Um, my question is, um, when Daddy was speaking, he did mention that we have different personalities and we have different temperaments as individuals. So there are things that I would take personally and someone else wouldn't. So how do you handle a situation where you feel like your feelings are being belittled? Your feelings are belittled in a relationship because there are things that you see this is like something that's really hurtful. Everybody else is saying that this is really, really not a big deal. How do you handle such a situation? Um, Please, my question is that, assuming that probably you've dealt with someone financially and the person was unfaithful to you and... There is a third party who is also going to deal with that same person. Okay. And unfortunately for the person, this person comes to you yes. to find out how, <laughs> how should I deal with this um, person financially? Okay. How do you manage yourself not to slander that person's character? Okay. okay. I think when it comes to slander, it's more of an initiative from you. When people ask you for an honest feedback, it's not more of an opportunity to slander. If you mean to slander, slander would by all means take into account motive because you, you have to mean harm. Uh-huh. But if the ultimate objective is for the good of the organization, like for instance, you can, uh, the boss asks you, like you ask the question, your boss asks you that he wants to, before the boss decides that he's going to task a person with a certain responsibility, he is a boss. He must have seen something. So you can engage him. Oh, based on uh, my interactions with him, I don't think that he may be able to do this kind of job. But I don't know your own personal interactions with him also. But if you think he can, then you could trust him. You've not slandered. You've given an honest view. But you have also uh, given him the opportunity to think through the matter. Huh. He cannot stand somewhere and say that, 
oh, this person gave me a very bad uh, feedback about you. You gave a balanced view. So that, that, for me, I think that's how it should be looked at. And then your own. Yeah, I think yours, if you say everybody sees it's okay, but you feel belittled, then the problem is you. All right? Uh-huh. Because if, if something, there are some people, they can't take jokes at all. And it's part of their temperament. And usually I tell people, if you can't take jokes, don't laugh at jokes. <laughs> yeah, because you see, jokes makes life uh, lighter. Life is full of a lot of challenges. And so if we can't laugh about anything, and you, everybody's matter, you can laugh. <laughs> but when we pick up on you a little bit, you, you are very uncomfortable. As much as possible, you, you have to uh, understand. And as much as possible, amongst us, we should also not do uh, crack jokes that the Bible actually talks about, cause jokes, jokes that undermine people, jokes that makes people feel like uh, they, they can't amount to anything. Those things must be worked on as much as possible. But your question fundamentally boils down to self-esteem. Uh-huh. When your feelings easily get hurt, fundamentally, you have self-esteem issues. That has to be addressed at a different forum altogether. I think there was another one that's quite similar to what I said. I don't know whether mommy wants to add something to it. I think, um, like Nadi said, it's similar. So this person comes to you to ask you whether maybe she can uh, do business with that person or she can borrow money from that person, something. You can honestly tell the person your experience. But don't make it look like this person can never change. Sometimes we muddy <laughs> the narration just to let the person know, if you go there, whatever happens, you don't come and blame me. But uh, let's not muddy it so much because perhaps after that encounter with you, this person has made some changes in their life or is willing to turn a new leaf. So let the person know, oh, okay, it, it wasn't the best of situations, but I think that you should be careful, but you can give it a try. You should be careful, but give it a try. As as much as I like that point very much. As much as possible, don't write anybody off. Because God has not written you off. And people have the opportunity to change. That's why we come to church. Sometimes when people come to church and they put up an attitude, people are super offended and they want to... Listen, we are saints in Christ, but we are not saints practically. And so, issues will come up. And when the issues come up, we should find ways to deal with the issue without necessarily giving people no dog chance at all to change. People can change and you'll be surprised. Sometimes you can give a very bad commentary about a person and then another person comes and you see that the person's behavior and attitude is so different. Then you end up as being the bad person. So as much as possible, your experience with the person does not mean that that your first impression or your last impression about the person does not mean that that's the ultimate impression about a person. I think that that's very important. So touch on the uh, the emotional aspect. If if we are talking about about your situation in the context of a relationship, I also feel that if your partner or your beloved is fond of doing things that make you feel bad or make you feel that you are not, you know, up to or not worth it. You could draw your your uh, beloved's attention to it. Draw his attention to it that there are certain ways when you speak to me or the way you speak to me or the tone in which you speak with me, it makes me feel like this and like that. And then tell the person that you would like for him to let you know what are the things that you do that help that make 
necessitate him speaking to you in such and such ways. Once you let the person know that you do not like those things and you give the person the opportunity to change, you see that the person will change if the person genuinely loves you. But if the person doesn't genuinely love you and thinks more about himself and is selfish, he will not change. Then that's, this is somebody that you should take a close look at because the things you experience in your relationship are a pointer to what you experience in your marriage. And you don't want to be married to a husband that is always saying things to you that bring you down emotionally. That is also not the best. So um, let the person know you are not happy about the way they speak with you. And if it is more about you um, in relation to other people in your life, that other people in your life are also giving the same feedback about the way you react or the way you are petty about things, then you want to look at how you can change yourself, evolve into that person who is more open and more liberal with accepting things. All right, thank you. Question from uh, Joe Bullet. He says that, so, and this is from Facebook. He says, so a friend of yours told lies to tarnish your image at work and you confronted him about it. He acknowledges it, but doesn't apologize in any way. Would it be considered as slandering if you warn others about him? I think it's in the same light as <laughs> the first question. So I think that, that's what we have on Facebook. If there's another one you can add to okay. that. Newness. Um, my question is, how do you overcome the inner conflict? You've forgiven and you've forgotten, but over time, how do you overcome that inner conflict, that would not make you always second guess what another person does because of something they might have done previously. Okay. Are you talking about the same person or are you talking about another person? The same person and in other situations because you might see it in a different situation or with a different person. But because you've had an experience, you are always second guessing what might happen next. So how do you deal with that inner conflict to be able to deal with different situations? My question is, at the workplace, someone offended or did something wrong and came secretly and apologized, but later on do different things that was bigger than what he did first. <laughs> and, and you need to do reference, I'm talking about the referring to old issues. So you have to bring that, the old one out to solve the problem. How do you go about that? <laughs> Yes, starting from uh, your question, I think that this may be a relationship that you would like to consider to be in hibernation. When somebody does something repeatedly and does it in worse scenarios to you, you would want to uh, let some distance come in the relationship so that you can really observe the person from afar to see if the person will be able to change. But to always put yourself in that same situation for it to happen again, I think it's not wise. That's abusive. Yeah, it's not wise. Um, yes, please, for um, the other question, I believe that as much as possible, we, we all know that as humans we have flaws. The truth of the matter is that people will offend you. There is no two ways about it. Like we said earlier on, conflicts are inevitable. And so when one person hurts you in one way, just give yourself one month, two months, one year, someone else will also hurt you. And if you want to have the posture where uh, you are not going to trust anybody again because of past experiences, you, you are not going to enjoy life. Exactly. 
life will not be easy for you because the truth of the matter is when you do not trust people, life is difficult because our lives are fruitful and our lives are progressive when we have people around us. I know of one lady who said she has worked with so many people to the end they have all cheated her in her business. And so because of that, she has decided she's not going to work with anyone. So now she has a warehouse full of equipment. She's selling the equipment to hospitals and she only has a watchman. And I asked her, so how do you move the equipment from the warehouse into your car? She said she does it with a watchman. How do you, when you get to the place, the hospital where you have to deal with maybe the administrator or something, do you do all the paperwork? She said, I do all the paperwork. She said, I don't trust anybody again. And if you're not careful, you work yourself till you die. Because the truth is, as a woman, how can you be moving hospital equipment? That's the business she does. How can you be moving hospital equipment with your watchman only? No other worker because when she works with people, people steal from her. When she works with people, people do this and do that. So you can trust somebody else too. So you learn to be trust. You you people need to trust you as a person, and you need to trust people as well. People will let you down. People will betray you. No two ways about that. In fact, the closest of people are the ones who betray you. The closest of people. So your Judas will betray you. He will betray you. But after he betrays you, you still need to have trust in the other apostles. Because if you don't, the gospel will not go far. So trust people. Trust people. He said, so a friend of yours told lies to tarnish your image at work. And you confronted him about it. He acknowledges it, but doesn't apologize in any way. Would it be considered as slandering if you warn others about him? I don't know how you are going to warn others about him, really. Uh, he has to do the same to them for them to experience it. And, and then the scenario he's given, okay. because he's apologized to you. No, no uh, he, doesn't, he, doesn't he doesn't apologize in any way. He doesn't apologize, yes, and then he moves on. He wants you to tell people that this guy he doesn't no. say sorry. Or <laughs> okay. it, it may it may lead you to gossip. So um, pray for the person. Pray for the person to change. You've spoken with the person. The person didn't apologize. Let it go. But you know, just keep an eye on the person because perhaps depending on how far the person hurts you, for it to happen to another person could be more damaging. So. Pray for the person and monitor the person, okay? But don't go and tell your colleagues at work, come and hear what this person did to me. It will amount to slandering and gossip. Please, we have another one from Clement Kofi Echampong from Facebook. He says, newness, Papa, please, is it okay to let go of issues internally or inwardly in a relationship and not bring it up ever? That practically, it's not possible. Uh, issues come up and sometimes they are related. But you see, the spirit with which you bring it up is what is important. Uh, sometimes you bring an issue up and you are bringing it up to justify a cause. It means that you've really not let go of the issue. Uh, if we can refer to the past, the past should inform us of certain present actions that we should take in order to get a better future. But when you refer to the past, and you are referring to the past so that you solidify a negative stand you want to take today. That, that is a, 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 a very poor way of relating to the past. Reference to the past should make the present and the future better, not worse. So if you are going to refer to a matter and your reference would end up damaging 
our present relationship or our future relationship is not worth it. He also wanted to know if you can just let go of a matter without ever bringing it up. Somebody did something against you, then you forgive the person inwardly or internally, and you never bring it up. Is it okay to do that? I don't know whether he means to say without drawing the person's attention to it. I mean, I mean that that's what we talked about. I think uh, Proverbs seventeen nine. He said. Uh, it, it is wise to overlook a matter. There are things you should be able to overlook. And uh, I mean, if you have to address, like Mommy said earlier, if you have to address everything, it will be very difficult to deal with. No, it will be very difficult for people to relate with you. Uh-huh. So when you also call for a meeting, people will not take it serious. Because someone himself call with you, be an offer a meeting. Uh-huh. And so you have to deal with Things that are very important. By the time you say, honey, we need to talk. Then she knows that what we are talking about is substance. But not uh, everything we need to talk. Everything we need to talk. Yes. My question is that uh, there is this jargon in our culture that says that okay. that's why more time for me personally, when you get an issue with an elderly person, it's very difficult to meet the person, tell him this and that and that you did that I didn't like. It's so difficult. And sometimes too, I just want to find out, is it wrong that when you are badly hurt, when you are badly hurt, and that you, because you realize that the state of your anger, meeting the person one-on-one, probably dishonor the person. So seeking a wise counsel for a friend to know what to do, is it wrong? Okay. I think that uh, when it has to do with confrontation, uh, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 18. I think that reference is critical. Timing is very important when it comes to confronting matters. Uh-huh. Go back to, uh, give me Matthew 18. As for what you said in the, in the Akan adage, it doesn't apply to us because it's not scriptural. Uh-huh. It's not scriptural that penin any akodenya sema penin I think that's the context. Yeah, because, I mean, I apologize to people around me. I apologize to Asha if I am a judge, his motive or something. I do that because you are not perfect. It, that, that's the context. It means that Penini are perfect, but Penini are perfect. If you're a husband, you can't think of ever saying sorry to your wife. It simply means that you think you are, you are perfect, but you are not. And you make it very difficult for people to relate with you. Give me Matthew, please. Chapter 18, verse 15 to... Okay, New Living Translation. He says, if another believer sins against you, you go privately and point out the offense. Usually when a matter is between two people, your ability to resolve it is easier. When something comes out in the open, usually it affects people's pride. And so sometimes they would have even apologized privately. But when you bring it in the open, they become defensive. That is part of why the Bible says, first of all, address the matter with the person. And sometimes you may even confide in the person. You never know when that person may raise it up somewhere that you may not even like. You get it. So as much as possible, you want to deal with the person involved first. If you are boiling, that is a wrong time to really confront a matter. When something has happened, you are really, really angry. That is a wrong time to address the matter. Allow some time to pass. Reflect on it. Sometimes there are issues that you boiled over. Later on, you realize that it's not even worth confronting the person about. I've had to deal with issues like that again and again. 
I mean, there have been issues. Sometimes I call Pastor Pay. Uh, at the time the incident happened, I called Pastor Pay, and I'm really worked up. And he says, okay, he'll give me some, you know, his posture. Uh, he'll give me some, <laughs> some perspectives. And then I look at it. Later on, I'll just call him again and tell him that, okay, this is how I think we should resolve it. So as much as possible, you, you really want to process your anger. Because when you are angry and you want to resolve matters, uh, you are not likely to do it well. Anger really don't help us in our... And sometimes we end up doing things we wouldn't have done but for anger. Uh, so as much as possible, we want to deal with the anger first. You deal with the anger. So if you are speaking with anybody, you may not even be direct. You can see counsel if it's important. It, it, it will help you deal with the anger. But you don't have to be detailed about it. You can even go like, oh, uh, this somebody narrated an incident like this to me. And the person was really worked up. May I know what you think about it? So you've shielded the identity of the persons involved. Because as much as possible, you don't want to destroy relationships. Is that okay? Good. Yes. Okay, we have a lot of questions coming in, but our time is also fast spent. Uh, yeah. I hear there's a question from Accra Church. Okay. Okay, so quickly, let me take one question before I move on to the one that Ralph asked so that we can get it. It says that if you have a beloved who finds it difficult in trusting you due to his past experience and hence causing arguments here and there, do you let go or continue? Let's, let's pick multiples of them. Okay, then there's another one too that says that my question is that those of you who are here, I hope you are all okay. The way you are not asking questions, and we seem to be getting questions only from Facebook. My question is that if your mother doesn't see eye to eye with your spouse, what can you do to remedy the situation? Although you may not appreciate most of the issues on both sides. Okay. Um, and then also, there's one from. <laughs> Um, Accra Church. That's a question from Ralph. He says, how do you forgive and forget if the issue is financially related? Where someone who owes you and is always finding excuses not to pay, even though they are in a position to pay? So that's a question that Ralph from Accra was asking. How do you forgive and forget if the issue is financially related where someone who owes you and is always finding excuses not to pay, even though they are in a position to pay. Yeah. I think it's, it's a question of, a, it's a choice between having your peace and your emotional integrity intact or allowing the person to take your peace away with him. I know it says Sky Emuja, but when you are alive, the Bible said to him that is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. So, when you are alive, you want to make the most because if you are alive and you are sane in your mind, your chances of making and getting a bigger amount of money than whatever you are losing now may be higher than uh, allowing the issues to work you up to the extent that the relationships are destroyed. People who could possibly help you to even earn more, you no longer are able to uh, connect with them because of these things. So as much as possible, it's not... What people do to us is not as important as what we do to ourselves. That's always important. What people do to us, we cannot control that. We can always control how we relate and we respond to what people do to us. The person has taken your money. If he's in a position to pay and he's refusing to pay, he has an agenda. 
Why should you allow that agenda to control your life? Because obviously, Ralph, or anybody who has an issue like that, I'm not sure you'll be fine. When you see such a person, your heart will boil. You will feel like you, I mean, you can never be fine around such a person. Why should you allow yourself to be worked up emotionally because of that? So, I think that is fine. The, the second question. It says, if you have a beloved who finds it difficult in trusting you due to his past experience and hence causing arguments here and there, do you let go or continue? Okay. You mean let go of the relationship? Yes, please. Yeah, okay. Um, when it comes to trust issues, they can be very deep and uh, they can really affect the way we... Uh, the way we relate with each other. And just like we said, if this you know, beloved of yours, be it a lady or a guy, because trust issues would let the person always be overly suspicious of you. Overly suspicious of you. And it will create conflict. The person would like to check your phone, would like to know who you are talking to, like to know where you are going, everything. And so um, the trust will really affect you. If you've had a discussion with your beloved about it, to take a second look at the way they uh, show for their mistrust, and the person is not forthcoming with change, I think you should give the person time to change. And also behave and conduct yourself in a way that is worthy of trust. Because sometimes we are also a bit uh, sluggish about the way we carry ourselves about. So perhaps you also need to look at the way you are showing commitment towards the relationship. Perhaps you take things too much for granted. So look at the way you are also conducting yourself in the relationship. Give this person time to change. Give him opportunity to change, monitor, and observe the person. If over a lot, I mean, over a long period of time, this person is still not trusting you and is still having uh, suspicions and things like that, you may want to consider um, leaving the relationship because it will affect you. Ultimately, will affect you. But give the person opportunity to change. Okay. Thank you very uh, much. The other one had to do with. Uh, that my question is that if your mother doesn't see eye to eye, this is from Felix Barton okay. with your spouse. What can you do to remedy the situation, although you may not appreciate most of the issues from both sides? I think you can be a peacemaker. When it has to do with mother-in-laws, usually, as much as possible, I, my view is that my mother's view of my wife is my responsibility. Likewise, it's a responsibility, her mother's view of me. And I think that uh, spouses should take that responsibility. See it as your responsibility, particularly if it was the case before the marriage and then after the marriage, you have to work at it. That is why as much as possible, we encourage that when you have issues between you and your spouse, you don't send it to your family house because once it gets there, sometimes they may even have an opportunity in their quest to resolve the matter your husband may even get angry and they may see that anger that you only are exposed to. Then they form a permanent impression about your spouse. So going forward, even when you are willing to let go of matters, they are behind fueling the matter. And you see, eventually, what was their problem now becomes your problem as well. And it makes it very difficult to continue the relationship. So as much as possible, every spouse has a responsibility to present your partner to your parents very well. Amen? Yeah. Love will always win. So you who um, seems to be at the end of receiving negative feedback from your mother-in-law, show love to your mother-in-law. 
The things that you would have done for your own mother, do it for your mother-in-law and more. There is no way after giving and giving and showing love and calling and checking up on your mother-in-law, there's no way after some time your love and your you know, acts of love will not break down that hardened heart. So love them, your mother-in-law like she was your mother. Care for her like she was your mother and you will see that things will change over time. I think, I think there's, uh, in addition to what mommy said, there's an element of humility required from you if you're a husband, for instance and your wife's mother doesn't like you, there's a, a, a certain sense of humility from you. First of all, you have to appreciate that your mother-in-law is your mother. Uh-huh. And imagine that you had an issue with your mother. How will you deal with it? But most of the time, it looks like it's your mother, it's not my mother. Once we come together, the two families are one in a sense. So as much as possible, there are issues that your own mother did against you. You won't take it that personal. But because you are seeing it as your mother-in-law, you have taken her personal, arrested her, and kept her, locked her in your heart, not ready to let go of anything. When you do that, you don't help the relationship. So as much as possible, the initiative should be from you. Now, for instance, you are married to the daughter. And this woman, you have to deal with her as long as you live. So why don't you make the relationship better? Because you have to deal with her anyway something will happen. Either she will come to the house or you have to go to the house. Your lives are intricately interwoven. So there is no way you should allow hostilities. There are relationships that are for life. And once they are for life, you have to make sure that you enjoy it as much as possible. Don't allow relationships that... Friendships, some friendships can go. But when it has to do with uh, uh, relationships that are for life, how long can you have a problem with your father? How long are you going to hold on against uh, something your mother said against you? How long? She's your mother. It will never change. Nothing he does or you do will ever change that. So you have to make an effort, particularly when you are a believer. You see, it's difficult to deal with relational challenges when two unbelievers are involved. It's a bit difficult to deal with it when one person is a believer and one, one is a believer. The believer is expected to do more alright? The believer is expected to do more. But when two people are believers, and they are not just carnal, but they are matured, it should be very easy to deal with the matter. One of the things I want you to take with you home, as we get ready to end, is the fact that your relationships is one of the greatest pointers of your spiritual maturity. Your relationships. How you manage relationships. How you manage. It's not your church attendance. It's not your when the man was going to, he said, when you are coming to offer your offering and then you remember that somebody has come uh, done something against you, go and reconcile. So Jesus was just putting relationship above worship. So our art of service, our dedication and all of that to God are great. But when they go to destroy relationships, we are not the best of Christians. We are the best of Christians when we make every effort to make relationships work. Amen. I hear there's a question from Pechi, but as, as they get ready, let me pick the last two questions from Facebook. Um, Richard Roland says that, please, does no fight or conflict in a relationship mean the relationship isn't real? And uh, we have another one from Nanajua. She says, newness greetings. My question is coming from what Papa said about communication. You dated someone for two years and the person traveled out of the country. And since he traveled, he only talks to you when he wants. And even if you send him text, it will blue tick. <laughs> and he says that when he, when he calls, 
when he eventually calls or texts, he wants you to give him all the attention, not minding if you are at work, church, or anywhere. So please, I'm asking, how do I handle that kind of person? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that the, the, when we talk about conflict, we are not talking about blows, as it were. We are talking about disagreeing on ideas. If you have, you relate with somebody and you want to say that you have never disagreed in ideas, I think that to me looks artificial because I, I, I really wonder how another person from another person, family, raised from a different background will always see eye to eye with you on every matter. I, 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 I'm not expecting you to be fighting every time. I mean, we have disagreements, but we are not fighting every time. Uh-huh. And it's there, there's not been an issue where she's. I mean, we've been married for 13 years. There's not been an issue where she's abused me because of an, a matter. There's not been an issue where I've raised my hand on her. No, you see. So it's not really about fighting, but we don't always agree on things. That one, I will not. Some people may, but we don't always agree on things. Uh-huh. I think that 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 point is uh, valid. Uh, the gentleman with, uh, I think it has to do with his understanding of relationship and how to, uh, uh, understanding your needs as a woman and then being able to meet the needs. So you, you first of all need to have a, an open conversation, let him know how you feel about his conduct and behavior and then communicate your feelings out to the person and uh, watch out for how he takes it because is important. I think that one of the things that sometimes creates a lot of tension, we mentioned it earlier, is assumptions. I always say that to couples, don't assume that your wife will treat you well. Guide her on the best way to treat you. And then accept her efforts. There are some people, they will teach you, this is how I want to be treated. If you don't meet it, there's no communication. No. You see, you have to communicate and allow the person to gradually grow into it. Some of the things you are demanding from her, she may not be able to do it now, but over time, she will perfect her skill and her act at doing it. So as much as, but the communication must always go out. I really don't like the way you spoke to me about this matter and that, 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 that. Her attention must be drawn to it where it's necessary. Of course, after you have overlooked the ones you need to overlook. Okay. Yeah. Very much, Papa. Please, can we have the question from Pechi? I think that will be the very last question, and then we'll close this session. Okay, so over to you, Pechi. Can we have the question from Pechi? Okay, so my question is that in a situation where Somebody offends you, whether in a marriage or outside marriage. The person offends you or abuses you when other people are present. Then the person apologizes in private. You forgive or you let go. Then the next time it happens again, that in public, that is what he does or she does. Then there is this exhibition of pride in public, but when uh, it's outside or in private, the person seems like oh, oh, like apologize or regrets. But when it is public, the, 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 the mood is not like that. 
how do you handle it? Probably in ordinary uh, relationship, you can activate the hibernation or the uh, uh, sleep button. But in marriage, how do you do it? Let's give them a round of applause. Any other before we address that? Any other from in-house here before we address that? Okay, please. I have a friend, and she claims to have mood swings. But when it comes in, um, she vibes with all the people around us. But she's very negative towards me. And it goes towards on you. towards me. We are when in the, the same, mood swings come, what happens? Like, <laughs> she's okay with all the people around, but except me. Okay. And it goes on. And she can, when it goes off, she can post me and say the only person who manages my mood swing. So, but I'm not managing it. <laughs> I didn't get here well. I said, um, so like I decided to stay away from her. I decided to stay away from her, but I just want to know how to deal with this person because she's somebody I'm staying with for like three years. Hello. So she's your neighbor? No, she's my friend and we are in the same room. Oh, roommates. Yes, roommates. Wow. <laughs> and when she gets there into her mood, she does what to you? When you speak to her, she would not mind you. You should be walking around like you're not even in the room. But when it goes off, she feels shy to come and talk to you. So I'm always the first person to initiate a communication. But when it comes, like we'll be, we'll be smiling here. You go off, you come, and she's like that. I just don't know how to. Have you ever spoken to her about yes. it? Yes. When you speak to her, the other time I asked her, what is wrong? What is going on? And she's like, Oh, it's nothing. That is me. But my problem is she's okay with all the people around. We will get a visitor, then or she will smile with me. But when the person just goes, she's like that again. Wow. I just don't get it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I think the medics may have to examine such a person. Yeah, because she wow. needs counseling. She yeah. needs counseling. I think, I think the medics... And if it's possible, you could uh, convince her perhaps to... Uh, not to visit a counselor, because she may not accept that she has a problem. But perhaps, you know, invite her to church. Then after church, you like her to uh, meet with your pastor, something like that. And then in conversation, you can just, ch you know, bring it up. The psychological counselor, uh, not pastoral <laughs> counselor. <laughs> That thing, it's emotional intelligence. I think it's a <laughs> She needs help, um, but definitely she's not going to receive it from you. Uh -huh. She's not going to receive it from you. She needs to hear it from someone else. So if there's someone in her life that you feel, you know, someone elderly she respects that you can speak to about so the person can speak to her, see if she would listen. See if she has a problem, she needs to be helped. Mm -hmm. But I think you can also pray for her. Yeah. Good. So, Petty, we'll go to Petty, right? Now, Petty says that uh, this person will apologize uh, privately, repeat the act publicly, and uh, come back to apologize privately. I think that uh, the truth of the matter is that there are certain behavioral patterns that may never change. Uh -huh. And it's part of the relationship. It's part, for those of you who are married, you have to understand that there are things you don't change. You adapt with them, and you live with it. Uh -huh. It's part of maturity. Maturity 
is coming face to face with something that you would like to have changed, but with your best effort, you've not been successful. And in order for you to move on and for the relationship to work, you have to be able to live with it. I'm not talking about abuse here. I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm not talking about emotional abuse. At a certain point, it can break you down. You may lose your life. But other than that, there are some things that as part of the relationship, you will have to. The Bible says love endures all things. I think usually we take that one out of love. Love does not just uh, believes, it also endures. And you have to look at what your own cross is or what you have to endure. Amen? Now, somebody who obviously has this problem uh, is acting like this, fundamentally has a problem. But his problem must not be your problem. It becomes your problem when you say he will not apologize publicly, you will not forgive him. I hope you understand what I'm saying. In fact, forgiveness must never be tied to apology. If you really want to mature spiritually, never type forgiveness to apology. Because there are some people, even when you have apologized and you are expecting them to return, reciprocate the apology, they will not. So if that is what, uh, what is the apology really doing? It's just making your feelings fine. Yeah, that is what Bunko to do, what power to At the end of the day, Bible says you have your reward already. So don't tie forgiveness to apology. Tie forgiveness to a divine instruction from God. Just as you have been forgiven. I think sometimes it also based on the fact that we see our relationship with God in that light. Uh-huh. And that's why an understanding of the fact that God forgives us even before we ask. Uh-huh. He does not forgive you because you ask. He forgave you before you ask. The reason why you can ask is because there is guaranteed forgiveness. Most of the ways that God relates with us, that is practically how we ought to relate with one another. Every love we experience from God, we ought to extend the same to others. But I think when we are enjoying it on the vertical scale, it's cool. But when it comes to the horizontal scale, it's really difficult for us. And that's where spiritual maturity really comes in. So if the person, you speak to the person and you you draw the person's attention, in fact, this thing that you are doing, if you stop it, it will be fine. Let me just address this. You see, women like security. Women like security. When you are speaking with a woman and you tell her, if you don't do this, you don't change A, B, C, D, the relationship is over. You have threatened her security. So, all of a sudden, she's not going to be herself. But if you are addressing the matter and you go like, well, this is an issue that I think we need to deal with. But I want you to know, And as much as I'm willing to help you to change, I want you to know, even if you don't change, we are in this together. Once that assurance is given, the person will feel that you genuinely are concerned about getting the person transformed. But when the ultimatum comes, then it becomes another matter altogether. So that's what I think I can see about that. I don't know whether mommy has some thoughts to share on that. Yes, so um, like Daddy said, let us acknowledge that there are some things about your friend, your colleague at work, your boss, your spouse that will never change. Please accept it. Because if you don't accept it, you, you would find it difficult to manage yourself in a relationship. There are some things you can never change. And there are some things they will never stop. What you need to pray to God is the ability to adapt, the ability to compromise the ability to live with the person peacefully committed to god and god would rather help you change your attitude towards that thing 
And if there is an opportunity for you to help the person to change, like the person who doesn't like washing their clothes and would leave them piled for days and weeks. You've said it once, you've said it twice, help the person by washing the clothes for them. It, there will be peace in the house. There'll be peace in the house. You can't always be saying it over and over. You've, in fact, you've said it for years. It's not changing. What, what is the point? Help the person. The person is telling you, I'm struggling with this thing. Buy the person a washing machine. And let there be peace in the house. But don't allow it to happen over and over. And, you know, tell the person to change. The person can't change. The person has tried their best. They can't change. So, so there are some things you need to just accept live with it, and pray to God for grace to do that joyfully. Because if you do it with a negative attitude, it also doesn't create a good harmony at home. Amen. Amen. Now there's a hand there. Let's, let's address. I actually expected questions from in-house. And yeah. contributions, because we have a lot of senior married people here, you know, senior workers, yeah, Pastor, please, it's a follow-up to Mrs. Crowfer's question. Okay. Um, it's difficult. It is. The way, the way mommy is saying it, it, she's making it look so simple and okay. so nice. Okay. But these things Mrs. Crowfer spoke about can actually kill someone inside. Good. Even before the person dies physically, is already dead. And I'm thinking that it can even kill the marriage. Because here is a man you are living with who is always insulting you outside and then you get home and the person will come and apologize. I think I talked about abuse. Yes. I talked about abuse. I didn't want to get into it because abuse in itself is very expansive. Uh So if it's repeated abuse and uh, it's it's sad that it can. That that one is quite different. Uh-huh. I'm talking. I, I I'm, think I'm look- that was the angle I got her question from. So, um, my question is: Okay. Till when do you say enough is enough? Yes. Uh, that's very difficult because it's like uh, asking me to tell you when it's appropriate to divorce. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's a very smart one. Yeah, it's very difficult because you see, I've counseled couples that issues that could have led to the breakdown of the marriage didn't lead to the breakdown of the marriage so it will be very difficult to pick an incident and say when it is enough to to end a relationship as much as possible there are times where separation may be ideal but when it comes to divorce I think that uh, the dynamics may be different because if the person is abusing you uh, physically and then your life is under threat and all of those things it, it may be ideal that you separate to see if change will come. And then uh, if change does not come and you have to uh, speak to your families, that's different. But as, as much as possible, when a relationship repeatedly makes you lose your self-worth, I can, I can talk about abusive relationship, and it's something I intend to teach on next year, abusive relationship, how to identify abusive relationship and how to deal with abusive relationships. But abusive relationships are there. There are people, when you relate with them, they are consistently belittling you because they are little in themselves. People who belittle others are little in their own eyes. So they feel that you are bigger than them, so they must put you down. And that, that has its own extent. So as much as possible, picking up one issue 
and using it to deal with others comprehensively will be very difficult. If you came to me or somebody came to me and presented an issue, I would be better placed to look at the issue and advise than stand on a public church platform like this and then give a, a blank check on what, when it's ideal to go. Because there is somebody who has gone past that threshold that you are on and you are contemplating divorce and he's still in the relationship. So the moment I give you a license to let go of yours, what will I do to that person? So I think, madam, you are a lawyer's wife, but God has helped me with this one. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Eshen, your hand is up. Yeah. I wanted to add to what Edna said. Okay. You can never say enough is enough. Okay. Because in marriage, sometimes you have the person who have this character, maybe outside he might behave, but when he comes home, as Mrs. Kofa will say, he will say sorry. One day, one day he will change. Because sometimes it's maybe when you're outside, the two of you, you also behave in some way or ask unnecessary question outside. Once the friend is there because of pride, so maybe, oh, dear, you think you've been disgraced. So you reach home, maybe, I'm sorry. So this thing will be going on. So you also have to study your partner when you are out. Some ways you don't have to say. Some ways you don't have to utter. Because if you do that, he will give you the same reply. And it will go on and it will go on. So you can never say enough is enough in marriage. You have to endure. I think what it has to do with a man's pride, he will do virtually anything to protect it. And that is sometimes something I realize that a lot of ladies don't take for, uh, uh, take for granted. A man will sometimes defend a wrong act just to protect his pride. So you can address any matter with the man as long as the language he hears in your address if there's a challenge, uh, he's done something he didn't like, you can tell him whatever you want to tell him. As long as the language he subconsciously hears is that I respect you, I believe in you, you are my man, you are my leader, you are my head, I trust you. When you communicate like that to a man, you always get the best out of him. But when you come across to a man and you let him feel that he's no man, he's a, he's a useless man, there isn't, there's really not much that is expected of him. That one, I tell you, <laughs> it's just the way we are wired. It's not, it's not anything. The spiritual man is like that. The natural man is like that. It's just the way we are wired. The spiritual man may be able to process things better, but fundamentally, a man's ego and pride, he would want to do a lot of things to protect. So, as much as possible, just the same way as a woman's feeling must always be taken into account when you are speaking. When your wife says, I feel what you said makes me feel this way, there is no sense for a wise man to justify the point. Because women are wired to feel. They express themselves by what they feel. And so sometimes things are uh, welled up within them. They are struggling with it. But once they tell you, this is how I feel about what you said, that should end it. You should be on your knees to apologize if you love your wife and you want to keep your home in peace. And the same way, if your man says that, what you said, I really felt dishonored and disrespected. Thank him for that feedback. Because some men, they will not even open up and they will not talk. Huh? There are some people, they are like, oh, I've counseled people, they are like, oh, my husband, he doesn't talk. But It's not because he doesn't talk. 
People make him feel he's a man. People make him feel he's in charge. But when he comes home and he's talking, you shut him up like one of your little children. And as long as you continue to do that, he will not allow himself to be taken on that journey. So those are some of the basic differences. And that has to do with basic differences between us as people, as a man and as a woman. But I think as as you end it, there is a point where enough will be enough. I think you made that point. But there is a point where enough will be enough. There's a certain point where a person's life is on the line. And that should be a point of enough. I don't think that uh, you have to uh, die because uh, you love somebody. Uh, I don't think. uh, Go through the process. No, after the process, process. you have to go through. I just wanted to make that point. That there's a certain point where it will be wise and smart that you let the man go so that you can have your life and take care of possibly your children or pursue God's purpose or agenda for your life. I think Africans generally, all human beings like relationships, but Africans, when it comes to marriage, it can become an ultimate something for us. That whatever it is, we want to deal with it at all costs. We have to do our best to make sure we protect our marriage and keep it working. But when it comes to a time where you've done your best and your best is not yielding the best results, and you have to uh, let go so that you can fulfill God's purpose and agenda for your life, I think you should move on. Amen? Newness. I'll take, keep your hand up. Any other person, last person? Pastor Pei, it is in relationship with us all the things we teach you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Papa, I wanted to know, in a situation where um, you've been friends with a lady for a very long time, and then you guys enter into a relationship. You have seen so much of a wife in that person. And she's also seen so much of a husband in you. Yes. And then your one of your parents. How did they see it? Either <laughs> um, you showed the lady to your um, your pastor, and then your pastor likes the lady so much that he's in agreement with um, your marriage plans and other things. But then one of your parents or either both parents do not agree. What do you do in such a situation? So parental consent. Yes, madam, what's your question? Uh, Alice Dickness. Hello, daddy. Uh, My question is that, assuming that you are married to someone and then the person doesn't eat your food, you don't sleep on the same bed forever and no intimacy forever a year, do you... um, Consider that one to be uh, an abuse relationship. That's sexual abuse. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sexual abuse there. That's emotional and sexual abuse. So in because, that way, how uh, do you handle sexual abuse? Uh, when it is like that, come to the office. We'll, we'll advance you from there. <laughs> yes. You can't be in a relationship, a marriage for this long and not seek for help. So some of us have that, just have that problem seeking for help. We want to handle it our way. And it is lasting six months, nine months, one year. You are going to mess up. So please seek help. This, you can't, so do you talk? I mean, in that relationship, is there any communication? 
or there is no communication at all. Because if there's no communication at all, one week, two weeks, one month, two months, and you've not brought in anyone to help the situation after you have tried to address and it's not changing, no. So let someone come into the, the picture, especially you know, um, a spiritual person. Let that wise counselor come into the picture and assist. Don't let it reach one year. Don't let it reach six months. Where your husband is not eating your food, is not on, lying on the same bed with you, no. Not at all. So it shouldn't get to that extent. Seek help early. It's, it's important. Uh, as much as possible, try and get it. Uh, try and get it because if you don't need it before you marry, eventually when you marry, you issues it. will come up where you may need it. And sometimes uh, that may be another weapon that may even be used against you. That may make crack as all of those things. So as much as possible, try and carry your family along. This is Africa. Okay. And please, if they don't agree, don't marry her. Don't marry her. You will not have peace. <laughs> you will not have peace. Yeah. Because like that is said, there are some relationships that are forever. Your parents will forever be your parents. So if they are seeing something that you are not seeing, Find a way to pray about it. Find a way to get your pastor to speak with them. Something will come out for you to understand where they are going with it. But if after you've tried everything, bringing in family members to speak to your parents and all, and both still say no, let it go. Yeah. Yeah, you see, there's this myth that there's this perfect woman I'm supposed to marry. It's a myth. It's a myth. Because if there was a perfect woman to marry, then the moment you marry that woman and she dies, you don't have to marry again. Because you are not going to get that perfect person again. Huh? So there's nothing like this, I must marry this woman. Uh, sometimes you have prophecies also coming your way. If the prophets cannot uh, soften the heart of your parents to now uh, agree so that the thing is going on, then you, you, you really putting yourself in serious danger. All right. I think that enough is enough. <laughs> Are we good? All right. Thank you very much. Um, amen. amen. So we thank God for today. Those of you who join us online, uh, it's a blessing to uh, have been, to have come your way today. And I trust that God has blessed you. Amen. has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. 
Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.